0: welcome back you guys this is crystal this is jessica this is ethan and this is another episode of what's the what's name name <laughs> mm. okay. Not bad. okay okay we
1: hit it yeah that was good
0: <laughs> all right so i couldn't think of a question so this is actually from my sister um you guys what uh is one of your favorite hobbies
2: very original question tell your sister great job
1: yeah you made it sound like it was going to be like a really like unheard of question like oh she gave it to us I got to give her credit and I was like you literally could have googled like 100 icebreaker questions and that would have been at the top of every list
0: 100 percent. so answer it you should have something ready to go
1: I digress
2: uh okay I'll go first um I don't want to seem, like, one-dimensional, always talking about um, Disney and crafting and everything like that, Though so those are a lot of my ho- of my hobbies, but in addition, I also enjoy gardening. <laughs> I have flowers right now, but they're inside the house because it snowed a ton, and I was, like, worried about them. Um, I'm afraid they're going to get used to this, like, bougie lifestyle of, like, indoor living, so we'll see, but um, anyways, I <laughs> also... I love baking and cooking and trying different recipes um, and cake decorating. Uh, I like just exploring different cities, like kind of being a tourist in my own city and uh, going to all the fun places. So those are some initial thoughts, I guess, on some of my hobbies besides the ones everyone hears about every week. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, I actually always get super stressed when this is used as an icebreaker question uh, to get to know new people because I feel like I have either really strange hobbies that make me sound like a weirdo or just like really boring hobbies that people don't find appealing at all. Like I just think about meeting someone new and being like, hey Jim, like I know we just met, but let me tell you how, you know, I like love making unnecessarily complicated Excel sheets to automate the point calculations for my like survivor fantasy bracket or something. So. I just feel like, um, yeah, I always sound like a weirdo when I tell people what I actually enjoyed doing in my spare time. So if I'm going with like a safe, cliche hobby, I'm going to say that I enjoy hiking. Um, But if I'm going to (laughs) go... I told you, save a cliche. Um, But it's a good one. Um, If I'm going to go with like a more niche hobby, it actually is going to be collecting board games. Um, Mm. Though also making unnecessarily complicated Excel Excel sheets um, is also one of my hobbies. So love that.
0: Those are great, you guys. Um, So a couple of my hobbies. The biggest one would probably be traveling. Um, I love doing that. I love discovering new cultures. And kind of like what Jessica said, discovering new cities. Um, Since moving back to Florida, I've been going to cities that I've never been to before. Um, I also like going to the gun range and writing poetry, which is one that you guys probably wouldn't have thought of.
2: I honestly would have guessed poetry before the gun range comment, but... (laughs)
1: I would not have.
0: <laughs> I'm a gentle soul.
1: Crystal, read us a poem.
0: Next week, next week. Okay. Um. <laughs> That'll
1: be for our Patreons.
0: <laughs> yes. Diving into this week's episode, as I mentioned last week, we'd be discussing cognitive offloading. This is the process when you're doing a physical action to reduce the cognitive demand, which basically to reduce the thought you have to put into what you're doing. Um, So if you make a grocery list or take notes in class or use a calendar to keep track of your daily schedule, you're probably, or not probably, you're actually engaging in cognitive offloading. So one example that you might not have thought of that I actually thought of is when I see an image and it's like turned a weird way, I turn my head to try to make out the image. And that in itself is cognitive offloading. Hmm. Um, so what are some ways you guys mitigate overfilling your mental gas tank?
1: Okay. So I don't know if like I did it justice last week, but um, I love cognitive offloading. Like I feel like I could talk about it for so long. In fact, like go back to that episode we did last week. And I want to change the answer to my icebreaker question that I could easily give a 40 minute presentation on all the different ways that I cognitive offload or just like love cognitive offloading. Um, for me, one of the most common ways that I do that is just by making a to-do list. Um, actually, I make like a lot of to-do lists, like probably an unhealthy amount, but that's like one way that I that I cognitive offload is by using to-do lists.
2: Yeah, I would say I definitely do lists as well. Um, definitely not the level ethan does but i also make lists um i also journal a lot which helps get stuff off my mind but um another thing i do that's i'm sure annoying is i'll tell other people to remember something for me so that i don't have to remember it um so for example right now there's this bag of papers that i have been needing to take to work for a while now so i'm always like nathan my husband Tell me, like, remind me to take these papers. Like, okay, okay, okay. And he never does. Uh, and <laughs> the bag of papers <laughs> is still there. So right now they're in front of the door. So that, like, when I walk out of the door tomorrow morning, I have to take the papers. Because otherwise it's not going to happen. So I try to get other people to remember it for me too. But not always effective. So um, I also, like, make a ton of calendar invites. So, like, sometimes when I sign up for, like, free trials that, like, I know I don't actually want to pay for. Um, I'll go on my calendar and I'll add in like a notice, like do not forget to cancel your subscription the day before (laughs) it'll actually charge me.
0: Cause I know I won't actually remember in my mind, so. So like Ethan said, and like I previously stated, I don't do much of the physical action or do any offloading. Um, I'm one of those people who thinks I'm going to remember the information or I think my memory is better than what it actually is. and I just go with that. So like in school, I don't, t- I didn't take notes really. I'm like, I'm going to just remember it. And if I don't remember it, it wasn't meant for me to, to know it, but that's probably not the most helpful way to live your life. So
1: <laughs> that's so funny that the hubris in that statement. <laughs> no, I think that's funny though, that you say you rarely cognitive offload. Cause like I said, I like, cannot even imagine a world where I don't do things that help me like cognitive offload. Like if something is not in my calendar or is not on my to-do list, there is a 99% chance that it is not getting done because I'm going to completely forget about it. So (laughs) I'm not sure like what the side says about cognitive offloading, but I could definitely see why people are wary of it. Um, It seems intuitive to think that if we aren't using our memory, then our memory will get weaker but like I said I'm not sure if the science backs that up or not but I definitely see how the that concern could, could be for some people
2: yeah I was thinking Ethan, like um I feel like um your I guess like desire to like have everything be organized always like formalizes friendships to some degree like for example like it was like, hey, we should catch up tomorrow or something. And Ethan's like, yeah, that'd be great. Um, what time works for you? And like, we come up with the time and like, next thing I know, I have like a Google invite that's like casual conversation with Ethan. And it's <laughs> like, what? Like, like we can just call each other, but like, there's always like a calendar invite for everything, but yeah. Um, I wonder too, if like cognitive offloading is like, essentially the like, since Ethan and I, I guess are more prone to do it, is that like, we just came to terms earlier with our deficits uh and like crystal you're still coming to terms with like how to cope with it I don't know
0: um
2: (laughs) if that makes sense but
0: no I think it makes sense I I feel like I don't know I feel like it's kind of a crutch not that a crutch is a bad thing but um like for me I'm like I don't need that like I should be able to remember this on my own I should be able to do this on my own and so then I don't like take notes or I'm like Or um, have tasks to do at work. And I'm like, no, I'll just remember the task. Like, that's easy enough. So I think that's, or at least for me, why it is.
1: No, I think that's so true. Like what I said earlier, I probably do it to a degree that is excessive, right? Like to the point where you say you don't do it enough, I probably do it way too much. But I do think it's interesting because... It seems like this fear of cognitive offloading, like you mentioned, of weakening memory has actually been around for a really long time. So in my research for this episode, I saw this quote um, from Socrates about the latest cognitive offloading technique that had just come onto the scene in ancient Athens. And he said about this technique, uh, for this invention will produce forgetfulness in the minds of those who learn to use it. Because they will not practice their memory. And what do you guys think? I'm just curious. What do you think the invention was that he was talking about?
2: I have no idea. Any guesses? Like Wait. some type of like calendar, maybe?
1: Crystal, any guesses?
0: Uh no. I'll have
1: to, no. <laughs> so he was like legitimately talking about the invention of writing. Like just oh, wow. straight up writing. Like, that's it. So he was arguing that writing things down would make people's memory suffer. So like, obviously, the concern about cognitive offloading, making people's memory worse has been around for a really, really long time. But like, the irony of like, us having that quote, because someone wrote it down is not lost on me.
0: (laughs) Those things. So I have a closet full of shoes from signing up to get or do just fab. fab. (laughs) And I I keep forgetting to cancel. So I keep getting new shoes every month.
2: Crystal, but you are that's like good. the perfect like <laughs> subscription model customer, like you are the reason yeah, they that, give like, it. subscription <laughs> services was created
1: that is so funny i'm I am the total opposite of that, so that is just it just like blows my mind that there's people out there that are like obviously I understand that there's people different than me, but like I'm like, how
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why are you living this way? I don't know, I don't know, I'm trying to change um. <laughs> But uh, probably a dumb question since you guys feel so passionate about it. But do you feel like these lists are physical actions actually help?
1: Yeah, I guess it depends how you define like a physical action when it comes to cognitive offloading. For me, it's not so much like the physical action part that helps me um, as much as it, as it is just finding some kind of method that works for me that allows my brain to let go of that information without the fear of forgetting that information so like for example talking about my lists i don't necessarily consider those like physical actions um but it really helps nonetheless and it, it probably is considered physical actions in this context but yeah i think just finding a method that helps me be able to uh like let the information go without worrying about forgetting it is that's the most important part for me when it comes to cognitive offloading.
2: Yeah, I would agree too. Um, I feel like it's super helpful for me, especially at work, because a lot of times at work you have to, you know, work with like a multifaceted team and you have a ton of different tasks. So I'm really meticulous about my emails and like stuff I need to follow up on at work. So like I have a system where like I keep my inbox clear essentially, except for like stuff I need to follow up on, uh, and then clear those out when I follow up on it and it's a good reminder and stuff. So uh, yes, it's very effective for me. And I feel like it's helped me be better at my job, especially when there's a lot to manage.
1: Oh my gosh. Speaking of like cognitive offloading at work, and then like making unnecessarily complicated Excel sheets. I have the sickest Excel sheet at work that like I plug in a task I have to do and then I put a due date and then I have this like macro that you hit a button and it sorts it automatically by the soonest due date. It's like- Oh my gosh. It's incredible. It's so good. Uh, but I love it.
0: Send that to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you can never use it, Crystal. You literally just said you never do anything like that.
0: <laughs> I'm try- I said I trying to I was trying to do better. Okay.
1: Okay. I'll give it to you. You have to Venmo me $10 first though. <laughs>
0: Also, these sheets are going to be on um, on sale for you guys for $10 as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, hit me up. Hit me up on my LinkedIn if you want it.
0: <laughs> to a study I found when I was researching. So this man um, led a group through a museum on a tour, and he had participants take photos of some objects but only observe others. And on the memory test at the end, the participants better remembered objects that they observed compared to the ones they took photos of. Offloaded. Um, does that make sense? Like, they remember better when they were just actually looking at it and, you know, taking it in versus, I'm going to take a photo of it. And people I'll always have that photo to reference to, so they don't really pay attention. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for living in the moment. So I guess, like, in this specific case, I definitely think that um, Idea on the team of no photos or like no cognitive offloading. Um, for me, I really do think that it comes down to a personal choice and kind of like how your personality works in regard to like being organized and things like that. So some people are going to be more like me and function really well when we find ways to cognitive offload all of the important information that's coming our way. And other people are going to function better by just keeping it in their head or finding other ways to remember it. And like, I mean, I know what works best for me, but I totally respect and understand that other people just don't function that way.
2: Yeah, I feel like there would definitely be some gray area, right? Like, I hate it when like, you go to an event and like, it's just pictures the whole entire time. It's like, okay, we're not actually even experiencing anything. But um, I feel like too, it's tricky because yes, I'll be able to remember it a week or a month later, I don't know what the study was assessing as remembering, but the reason I feel like I prefer sometimes to take pictures is because, like, what happens when I'm 80? I really don't feel like I'm going to remember, you know, what happened without taking a picture, no matter how good my cognitive ability is. So I feel like that's what drives me to move towards, like, more cognitive offloading, rather than just trying to, like, remember in my own head, if that makes sense.
0: No, definitely. So, you guys feel like the the pros outweigh like that con of of offloading?
2: I feel so, especially with like all the tools that we have these days to stay organized and be effective and stuff. I, I feel like for me, I guess the pros outweigh the cons. But I don't know what your thoughts are, Ethan.
1: I think it's just like any tool that we have in our like modern day and age, right? Like if we use it appropriately and in a way that works for us, I think the pros outweighs the cons. But but then on the flip side, I'm sure there's ways that the cons would outweigh the pros. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if this is necessarily cognitive offloading, but I'm reminded of something we did in the monastery crystal that really stuck out to me there. Um, do you remember how when we very first arrived, they gave everybody two identical uniforms. And that was the only outfits that we were allowed to wear during the program.
0: Yeah, I remember that. And also I remember having to wash those uniforms by hand.
1: Yeah, that was um, not great. (laughs) We were probably very stinky. But um, I, uh, I remember though, that when they gave us those uniforms, They said one of the reasons was because it saved our mental energy. So like I said, I don't know if this is technically a form of cognitive offloading or not, but they said instead of having to wake up in the morning and decide what clothes we were going to wear or what kind of outfit we were going to put on, our choice had already been made for us because we had either like one outfit to wear or the other outfit, and they both were literally identical. And so we literally had basically no choice. And just the idea there was that we would be able to use that time and mental energy that we would have used in picking out our clothing and redirect that towards something more beneficial like meditating or studying or something like that. Um, So is that another type of cognitive offloading where simplifying our decisions in order to reduce the mental energy required for those decisions? um, Is that that cognitive offloading as well or is that something totally different?
0: So I feel like it, it would be, um, so as a girl, <laughs> waking up and spending a great bit of time trying to figure out what I'm going to wear, and like, it takes a lot of thought. And so if you don't have that whole process to do, you know, you're, when you wake up, you have this uniform, and that's your only option. It makes getting ready so much easier, and I'm not having to think about so much um, at the start of the day.
1: Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. I'm also thinking of other things similar to cognitive offloading, like memory mnemonics or mind palaces, stuff that's so interesting to me. Like I said, I feel like I could talk about it forever. I just love stuff like that. Um, In fact, I want to just give a quick shout out to one of my favorite books of all time, which is Moonwalking with Einstein by um, Joseph Four. It's this really, really fascinating true story about the world of competitive memorizing competitions and um, all the different things that these athletes do in order to memorize these seemingly impossible amounts of information. It is so cool. And a lot of it revolves around cognitive offloading to make memorizing things easier. So definitely recommend it if people are looking for good books to read because I thought it was fascinating.
0: Interesting. So I I remember um, my mission president made us remember a lot of information. Like he made us remember the proclamation to the family (laughs) for for those who know, you know. (laughs) And um, one of the ways that I remembered it though, one of the times that I use offloading is I wrote down the first letter of every word. And so I would have like, it would be as a reminder until I was able to do it without those letters. Um, And it definitely helped me with memorizing. So that does sound like an interesting book. Check it out. I will, I will, if I can find it for free. Um, <laughs> so while offloading can be useful in many situations by like reducing, um, what we're having to think about, it may still be a functional benefit to actually remember certain things. Like if you lost your phone and needed to call someone, whose numbers do you actually know by heart? I mean, I know 9 one.
1: Nine one one. 9 Yeah, no, I definitely think it makes sense to cognitively offset, offload like small or like trivial information, like phone numbers a lot of the times. So I guess maybe there, the solution is to like memorize just one or two key numbers that you may need. Just crystal don't memorize my number because I will not pick up. I will just straight, straight to voicemail. So find somebody That's true. else.
0: He does, he does not pick up you guys. So <laughs>
2: I feel like um, I know all my immediate family members, because that was before, like, you had cell phones to carry around, but I also know my um, I number from BYU-Idaho, and also my student number from high school, which is insane to me that I have those memorized, but, like, I just can't get them out of my head, so those are in there permanently, but other than that, um, I think that might be the only, like, sequential amount of numbers that I can recall.
0: That's funny. Like, I let you know no one's number. Like, I guess, again, I do more offloading than I, I think because everything's saved in my phone. Well, not really saved, but you guys know.
1: <laughs> Crystal doesn't save anybody's numbers.
0: <laughs> again, it's too much too much work, you know, but anyways.
1: Well, we've been friends for like eight years, and I'll text her she'll be like, who this?
0: I'm like, how am I not in your
1: phone yet? It's been eight years.
0: Anywho, all right, thank you guys for a, another awesome week of recording. So, I want to know your one second, one sentence takeaway. Uh, mine is offloading can help me memorize information, um, not just recall it.
1: Listen, I'm all in with cognitive offloading. Like I said, I love cognitive offloading. I honestly don't feel like enough and like specific examples of how to do it but uh, we'll let that rest if people want it we'll do a follow-up episode or something um but my takeaway is to keep doing my thing and to preach the good word of cognitive offloading to others but also understand that other people have different memory systems that work for them and like let other people do what works best for them
2: Okay, I've been getting a lot of flack about my um, eight-sentence takeaways. So today, (laughs) I'm just going to say, nothing to it but to do it. And And I will not elaborate on that.
0: (laughs) Great. Uh, So those were both great takeaways. So, Ethan, two things. So since you threw some shade, uh, what are your top three (laughs) favorite ways to cognitive, um, offload. And also you're going to be leading the conversation next week. Introduce the topic.
1: Okay. Oh, you're putting me on the spot here with top three. So definitely lists. That's like probably my most common day to day of how I organize things. Um, I think mnemonics are really cool where you find, you know, certain ways to memorize information or memorize. I I do it a lot with like Lists of things, but by far the coolest trick that I learned from that walk uh, moonwalking with Einstein book is the mind palace. And this was popularized by the TV show Sherlock, it's like a little dramatized in there, but like the mind palace is an incredible, incredible, like cognitive offloading technique, um, just to like memorize information. So that is like probably the coolest one. I don't use it as often, but. That I think is like, the it's got the most appeal to it.
0: <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that.
1: Yes. And so for next week, I actually was super torn on what I wanted to talk about because we've got a really good list of different things to talk about. And so I had a really hard time choosing, but I finally settled on spiritual bypassing. So in a word, spiritual bypassing is defined as the tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues or psychological wounds or unfinished developmental tasks. And so this is one I've been thinking about a lot lately. So I'm really excited to talk about it with you guys next week.
0: All right. That sounds great. Well, you guys, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.